One, two, there we go. So I'm going to take care of a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Uh, The first thing is, is that uh, we are on a journey as a church. We're going to go through the Bible. It's going to take us three years, uh, but it's going to be awesome, and I'm excited about it. And uh, some of us are going through this journey through our Connect groups, and that's awesome. Uh, You already probably had your first meeting this past week. And, uh, and some of us are going through it on our own pace, uh, and kind of uh, through our, all of us are going through it through our sermons on Sunday, because uh, my sermon, or whomever is going to be preaching, uh, will be preaching through the little um, parameters of what we read through this week. So this week's sermon is through, from Genesis 1 through 7, somewhere in there, Okay. Um, but Madison, and this is what I wanted to bring up real quick, uh, Madison made us a little sheet, uh, and on it you can have like your notes from the sermon of the day, and then also what we're going to be reading through the week uh, there, and a little verse that uh, some of us will be trying to memorize this next week uh, will be on there as well, and then some ponder questions. And so regardless if you're doing, you know, journeying through the Bible with the Connect group or you're doing it on your own, uh, she will have these each week back there at that back table. And so there's some back there right now. And if you want to get up and go get it because you don't have it. Uh, so it works in two ways. For those of you who are going through, um, through the Connect groups, you, you have your book and you can bring it each week and then you can just write right in that if you want to. But if you forget, you could just pick one of these up and you could use it for the day and then you could just you know, slide it in or recopy it later. Uh, so that would work for you as well. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Another thing is, is if you bring up our first slide uh, there, Haley, um, uh, we have a couple things we want to announce. One, Matthew and I started this podcast. The intent is to do it each week. And we're just going to have a little conversation, you know, 20 minutes, uh, 30 minutes at, at the most probably, or try to anyway, uh, conversation of, about what we're learning through the, those uh, verses or, you know, those chapters that we've read through. And so we did our first one the other day, uh, and it's up, and uh, you guys are welcome to listen to it if you want to, you know, when you're doing your chores or or getting ready for work, or on your way to drive, if you want to. But uh, you can find it on, you know, Apple Podcasts. I don't know if it's up on Google yet. They're a little bit slower about getting theirs up there, but it will be. Uh, if it's not, it's on uh, uh, TuneIn. And it's also, which if you'll turn the next slide, Haley, uh, on our new app. Uh, so we are in the process of switching over to a new platform for our website. Uh, the people that were doing our website before, they're no longer going to be hosting websites, and so we had to go search. And Andrew found us just a perfect place for us to land at. And they have, it's going to be really neat. But one of the things that's really cool is that the app is just amazing. Uh, but it's only available for you Apple users right now because Google's a little slow. I think I already said that. Um, they just haven't got theirs in yet. Part of it was because our guy from Subsplash went on vacation, and he didn't get all of our stuff submitted uh, beforehand. So maybe this week it will be up and going. But if you have a, you know, an Apple phone, you could go ahead and download the app. And some of the things that are really cool that are already on there is... Uh, well, the podcast, but you also have a Bible app, and the Bible app has, it will, like some of you, and I really appreciate this, I use it all the time already, uh, but it'll read the Bible to you. 
you know, so you can get on there and it'll read it in like four different uh, versions. So it does the NIV, the ESV, I think the King James, uh, and there's one other, I believe. Uh, so you can choose which you want them to read it to you in if you want to do that. Um, also, the uh, Chosen will be part of the app. You can just click on that and you can, if you ever want to watch one of the Chosens from your phone, you could do that. Uh, but then there's the Bible Project. You probably heard about that, but it gives you kind of, uh, they do an amazing job. But like, you, like you could, the first one would be Genesis 1 through 11, and it would give you kind of an overview of what Genesis 1 through 11 is, and that's part of the app as well. And then there's just a whole lot of things that are coming. Uh, it'll be a way that we can connect with our groups, you know, our connect groups. It's our, it, our prayer chain will be on there um, instead of Facebook, and it'll be, you know, they'll send you notifications just like you would get from any app that you have on your phone. Uh, so that'll be a way we'll be able to communicate, you know, with our prayer requests and things of that sort. So there's a whole lot, and I can't get into everything right now, but I really want to encourage you to get this app when it's either available on Google or it's already available on uh, Apple Store. So, uh, and then we'll let you know more about those things as well. All right, so taking care of that. I guess one more thing in, in lieu of just housekeeping type stuff. Lori and I, we're real excited, but we, just as soon as the preacher, hopefully he keeps it short today, but our plane leaves at 3.30 today from Tulsa, and so we are going to leave here and head uh, south to get on a plane, and we're taking a little mini uh, um, marriage retreat with some friends of ours there in Florida uh, just a few days, so they better work hard fast with me, right, if, if they want... I want to have a, a better uh, person for Lori to live with. But, uh, um, but then we're going to uh, fly over and say hi to Mike and Brinkley. Super excited about that uh, before we fly home. But we'll be coming back next uh, Sunday, but we won't fly in in time for, to worship with you. But uh, Matthew is going to uh, uh, be preaching next Sunday. So, all right. With all that, let's get into the Word of God. So, the very first thing that the Word of God says is, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so, part of, you know, obviously through what we're doing with Connect Group, we have to journal. And I've never really been a journaler, but I'm kind of enjoying it so far. I want to read to you just a little excerpt that I had in my journal this week. In the beginning... In the beginning indicates that there was a blank canvas at one time. In fact, no canvas at all. Nothing. In the beginning, indicating that it was the first stroke of the heavenly brush, every masterpiece has its first touch of the brush, a deliberate stroke that ignites and unravels an extraordinary piece of art like no other. His canvas was empty, but his mind and his soul was bursting with possibility. The master artist and creator, our God, has something in mind. He had a vision. In the beginning, indicating that eternity, though it is ruled by time, it still has an alpha and omega, a beginning and an end. The eternal I am. His name is Yahweh. Many scholars believe that the most proper meaning of Yahweh is he brings into existence whatever exists. God spoke, and he said, let it begin. In the beginning, it indicates 
we know our true heritage. There was a beginning to life, not an evolution of life over millions of years. These words are the first words on the first page of our history book. We didn't come from the Big Bang or descend from apes. We have a creator. And this creator gave meaning to everything. We didn't just happen. We were deliberately, we, were, we are here deliberately because a God, our God, wanted us to be here. And in the beginning, he set us apart from all living things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I really appreciated just the songs that were all about this creation that God has created. And the pictures were amazing, right, of the mountains and and just the trees and all the things. But that was chapter 1. I want to read to you a little bit about chapter 2, just the first three verses, actually. Because I spent a lot of time meditating on that as well this week. Just these three verses. And it reads this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. So often we focus on the aspect of rest, right? Which is Shabbat, meaning Sabbath. Sometimes we focus on the seventh day. It's repeated several times. On the seventh day he rested. And sometimes we focus on it is holy because that day was very holy. But when I read through this last time, I noticed something that really stood out to me that I don't know that it stood out to me the way that it did before. And that is that the big emphasis seems to be on the fact that he is finished. Like it was a completion. The work is done. In fact, just in three verses, four times, he says that very thing. It is finished. All the work that he has done. All the work that he has done. In chapter 1, it's as if creation was broke up into six different segments, right? He did this part of creation, and the next day he did this part of creation, and the next day he did this part of creation. And it took all six of those parts to be a completed part. But each time that he completed just a section of the creation... He would step back and he would say what? It is good. In fact, verse 4, it says, And God saw the light and, and said it was good. And in verse 10, God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together. He called seas and God said that it was good. Seven times in six verses. God says it is good. In verse 31, he, com- he concludes all of that. He says, and God saw everything that he had made, all six days, and behold, there's something a little bit different. He says, it is very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And it is good. If there is something that is not good about what God created, it's not that that God had a hand in it. 
It's that we kind of messed up his creation, right? By bringing sin into the world. But outside, if you could just eliminate sin, everything is good. All of creation, everything that he created is good. And on the seventh day, he just, it's as if he just wanted to take a day to just not only rest, but just take it all in. Just, you know how artists are when they complete something, they just want to absorb it and just admire it and, and to just see how good it really is. And that is, seems like what God did on the seventh day. Every creator, every artist that has ever completed a masterpiece is pleased with his work, don't you think? Or he's not done. But if he's done, then there's just something about that is very satisfying. It's very pleasing. It's very, it's, 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 it just feels good. But every creator, every artist doesn't create just for themselves. Once they create, it's as if not only do they admire it, but they want to share it with other people. Or we would have these people who create songs that we've never heard ever because they never shared the song. Or we'd have these paintings that would be painted, but nobody would ever know that they were painted because they never shared their paintings. But people that create something that they're really satisfied with have a tendency of wanting to share it with someone else. Creators want others to see their work, to feel something that they felt, to be moved by it, right? To be pleased by it, to admire it, to respond to it. And that kind of appreciation, whether it's an athlete or an artist with a brush or a musician with music, any, any kind of appreciation of that art always leads to adoration and praise of the one who created it. And this is what God was after. He knew what he created was good. And he wanted to share it. And what he wanted is he wanted praise from it. He wanted adoration. He wanted people to admire it and to worship him because of it. To love what he created and to love him as the creator. And God wants to connect with us in in a unique way. Did you see that as you were reading through and pondering the first seven chapters of Genesis? Just how much God has made us unique and how much he wants to connect with us. And how disappointed he is when we don't want to connect with him. He's an artist. And an artist, a creator, he loves to be adored. And there's no other artist in all the world of all the things that we have ever witnessed that was been created that deserves it more than God. God deserves all praise, all glory, all honor. He is worthy, and only he is really worthy. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said what? It is good. And we should say what? It is amazing. It is amazing and it is good. 
And he finished and he rested. And he said that this day is holy. The thing that I want us to grasp for today is just simply this. God wants to connect with us. There's four things that I saw as I was studying through here these passages with you through the week. Four things I saw that, that God, how God wants to connect with us. And the first one is God wants us, God shows us that he wants to connect with us through his creation. This is probably the most obvious, right? But it's there in Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaim his hands. In the beginning, God created, and what he created was amazing. If there is anything wrong with it, it's because what we did with it, not because of what he created. Adam and Eve were the first. But according to the Bible, they were the first to mess it up a little bit. Have you ever created something, and some of you kids can definitely relate to this, like you build something, some kind of little project of building blocks, or you make a house, or whatever you do, or, you, or maybe you moms, you clean everything up, and the next thing you know, this, this little boy or girl comes running in with muddy shoes into the house. You ever had that experience before? Or you build this building of blocks, and your sibling comes and just waylays it and knocks it over on purpose. Is that ever frustrating? Just think of how frustrating it must have been for God to create everything that he created, to step back and say, this is amazing. This is good. This is holy. Just to have somebody that he created in his image to come and just a little mess it up. But Adam and Eve were the first, but they weren't the last, because the Bible tells us that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's in Romans uh, 6.23, or 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed it up to some degree. But he made it all, and he said it was good. We had a memory verse this past week, and it really ties into this, this thought that he wants to connect with us through his creation. You remember what your memory verse is? In Genesis 1, 27, so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over all the living things that are moving on the earth. And the thing is, is that God gave us dominion over all of these things. He created everything, which is amazing. Then he says, hey, you guys are in charge. You guys are over everything. Have dominion over all of it. Because I've created you very uniquely, very different. And I created you to connect with you. And one of the ways that he connects with us is through his creation. It's pretty hard to look at the mountains and not 
see that God made them. Or just watching critters on the ground and see, be drawn to God. If you're an outdoorsman, I I have no doubt that you probably said, as well as me many times, I feel close to God out there. Like, there's just so much creation around. And he created everything so that he could connect with us. The second thing that I see here, way that he wants to connect with us, is God shows us that he wants to connect with us through his word. I kind of really got a sense of this in Genesis chapter 4. When we start, when we were introduced to Cain, remember Cain, right? That old knucklehead. Genesis 4, verse 6, it says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You see, Cain and Abel both brought offerings to the Lord. And the Lord accepted Abel's offering and said, thank you very much. And when Cain brought his, he's like, "Uh, no, thank you. And he didn't accept it, and it upset Cain. And Cain got angry, and his face was downcast. And God come to him, and he was just trying to help him. And so when God says, why is your... Why, why are you angry and why is your face downcast? He wasn't making an observation, right? He was telling Cain, why not pick yourself up and change this? You know, like your parents used to say, you need to turn that frowny face into a smiley face kind of thing, however they said that. But, but they were saying, you are the one who can take control of how you're feeling right now. And that's kind of what God was doing with Cain. Because the very next thing that God says is, if you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? In other words, yes. If you, do, if you have the same attitude as Abel, I obviously would accept what you bring to me. But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And then he ends with this. It's, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. In other words, you, your impulse is to get angry. Your impulse is to have a fallen face. But you can rule over it and you can choose differently. And see, here's the thing. is That is what this book right here is all about, isn't it? It is a God that is just telling us basically the same thing. That we have a n- nature in us that is always going to want to have a fallen face and get angry and have these episodes... But we can hear from the word of God, just like Cain did, and we can realize we can take responsibility and change. But God created this to connect with us, and God was trying to use his words to connect with Cain. And all Cain had to do was just humble himself and just say, yes, God, you're right. I can, I can take responsibility. I can take control of this. And I can... Follow your words and your direction. But Cain didn't. But that's one of the reasons that God gave us his word. One of the reasons he was trying to speak this into Cain is to try to help him. So God shows us that he wants to connect with us because we have this thing right here. 
And that's what's really cool about us being in it every day, is this having this relationship with God. The, the third way I think God shows us that he wants to connect with us is through walking with him. It's not just reading his word and then walking away from it and going off to work and doing you know whatever else we're going to do, but rather reading his word and going off with God doing whatever we do, whether it's work or play or anything. See, God wants us to just have this constant, consistent walk with him through life on a daily basis. Everything was wonderful with Adam and Eve. It was like paradise when God was finished, right? It was good. And then Satan comes along and he says, did God really say you can't eat of that tree of, you know, knowing good and evil, the tree of knowledge? And they have a conversation back and forth. But ultimately, Satan says, well, he's just trying to keep you from being like him, knowing good and evil. And Eve looked at the tree, and all of a sudden she saw it differently, right? Eve looked at it, and she saw that the tree was good. There was just something appealing about it, that it, that it was delightful. It felt good. It made her feel good, that it made, made one wise, it sounded so good. And so she decided to exchange the truth for a lie that Satan had given her. And then there was Cain, right? <clears throat> These are people who didn't walk with God. Then there was Cain <clears throat> that we already addressed, and he didn't walk with God. And like Adam and Eve, he found himself walking without God with shame and trying to hide, and you know what that's like, right? When you believe the lie, and you think that there's something better out there than what God can give you, and so you go your own, and you start separating yourself from God, and you begin to start hiding from God. I wanted to share with you, though, from our reading this week, two people that walked with God. And they had a consistent walk with God. And the first one is probably one of my favorites. And it's Enoch. There's not a lot said about Enoch, but we don't have to have a lot to just see that this was pretty amazing. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, it says, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. So he had this walk with God on a consistent basis for 300 years. And evidently God liked his relationship with Enoch. Because verse 23 it says, Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. There's only two people in the Bible that did not have to experience death, and it wasn't Jesus. It was Elijah and Enoch. Wouldn't that be? Don't you know that they are special people? Like, if if God said, "Hey, I'm going to just take you to paradise, a place that you never have to worry about anything," 
a place that was like this at the beginning, but y'all messed it up. I'm just going to take you there, and we can just continue our walk forever. You know, the best part of my life has been when I have felt the closest to God. Kid you not, hands down, when I feel like I am really walking with God, it is the best time of my life that I've ever experienced. And the worst time of my life that I've ever experienced is the times that I felt the furthest from this creator that I could possibly be. You feel like you're in darkness and shame, and you struggle, and it just seems like there's no help. And it's just no fun. Here's the second man that walked with God. I'm just going to start in Genesis 6, 5. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, or face of the land, man and animal and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I hadn't made them. And then we have verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. What if we didn't have verse 8? He would have just wiped it clean. The only reason that he did not wipe it clean is because fortunately there was a man that was still walking with God. And that's where we always find our favor, right? Is the man still walking with God? We're going to learn about like Joseph was a man that walked with God. And let me tell you, his brothers and his dad were glad that Joseph was a man who walked with God because they were the only reason that they got any blessing whatsoever from it. And you, you will see this over and over and over, like Daniel, and you'll see it through Paul, and you'll see it through just people. And the point is, is that when you walk with God... There is blessings that come, not only to yourself, but for sure to yourself, but even to those around you. When you choose to not walk with God, there is darkness and shame and destruction around you. And not only for you, but for people that are around you, you see. But God shows us that he wants to connect with us through walking with us. Here's the last thing that I saw, and that is that God shows us that he wants to connect with us through Jesus. Andrew, he came home after his first connect group, which was on Sunday. So they're just barely getting started. If anybody even read Genesis 1, it would, you know, well, I don't know if they did or not. It didn't matter. But, but Matthew was, was part, is kind of like uh, correlating the the time there, but everybody's sharing. And so anyway, Andrew comes home and he says, Dad, I want to share with you something that uh, Landon shared. And he, and he took me to uh, Genesis 1, 26, where it says something really cool. And I want you to see it. It says, then God said, because God's creating everything. 
And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, you know, separate this from this. And there was dry land and sea. And God was doing all this talking. But in verse 26, there's something unique, right? And Landa was pointing this out. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. And he was just sharing this. And I, I thought, that's so awesome. Let us, meaning who is us? Does God have a buddy up there somewhere? Make man in our image. Was there somebody? You got a twin? And we all know what that is referring to. That's referring to Jesus, right? Well, what's reason that I just love that when Andrew shared that with me is because I had already discovered that. I just didn't discover it through verse 26. Because I'd already done my reading and my meditation and my, you know, writing. And so I shared with Andrew some things that I jotted down. And I said, you know, I I had some verses that came to my mind as I was reading through the creation story. And the first one was in John chapter 1. What does it say? John starts his gospels by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Right? All things were made through him, and without him was nothing, was not anything made that was made. That's creation talk, right? But we know that in the beginning was the word, that word word is meaning Jesus. And he was there. And I also wrote down Colossians 1.16 because this is what it says. For by him, talking about Jesus again. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's creation talk, and that's Jesus, and that's putting Jesus in the creation with God. The last one that I wanted to share with you is probably the most insightful for what I'm trying to share with you right now. And that is that God wants to connect with us. Like Jesus is the magnet that sucks us to God. He is, isn't he? He's the one that pulls us to God, draws us. He says, I'm going to be lifted up from the earth and I'll draw all men to myself. Like he's this big old magnet to draw us. But this is what Hebrews chapter 1 Verse 1 and 2 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created, what? The world. So Jesus Christ is God's ultimate attempt to connect with us. And why us? Because he made us in his image. He made us very unique. Hebrews chapter 1, or yeah, 1, verse 1, directs our thoughts of, to, to God's intent of what he had in mind from the very beginning. God uses various things to show us that, that he wants to connect with us. And the very most powerful way is what he did through Jesus Christ, is to bring us into this relationship with him.
So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made us in his image, and he wants to connect with us. Through creation, through his word, through Jesus, all of these things he is wanting to connect with us. And why wouldn't we want to connect with him? Life is perfect in Christ. In a walk, in a relationship with God. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for what you have shown us this past week. We thank you, Father, for these connected beginnings that began long ago. We thank you for the pursuit that you have been pursuing us. You go and look for us when we are hiding from you. You speak words of truth to us when we do stupid stuff. And you try to help us take responsibility of our relationship with you. And you do all of these things, Father, because you love us and you want to connect with us like you did with Enoch and you did with Noah. And I just pray, Father, that we would fill your tug, that we would fill just the attraction that a magnet would fill to another that we would just feel, Father, your presence in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.